I absolutely hated debt from a young age, but I thought that everybody lived like this. I thought that you're supposed to pay what you owe. And so I thought that when I was going to get married, that uh, my husband, I was walking into a debt-free marriage, but actually I wasn't. I had no problem with debt at all. I went and got a bunch of it. Welcome to the Smart Money Mama Show, where moms get real about money to help you find your financial confidence and live your best life. Now let's talk money, mamas. Hey there, I'm your host, Chelsea Brennan, and mamas, today on the show, we're talking to Ty and Talat McNeely from His and Her Money. Valentine's Day is right around the corner, so I thought there was no better time to talk about how we can effectively manage money with our partners. Ty and Talat McNeely are financial educators on a mission to get individuals and couples on the same page financially and to experience the joys of financial freedom. Together, they've co-authored Money Talks, The Ultimate Couple's Guide to Communicating About Money, have been featured on Black Enterprise, MSN, Essence, Business Insider, and more, and have founded the Power Couples University. Today, they're going to share their story of their own money relationship, which wasn't always rosy, and how you and your partner can get on the same page and thrive. As always, stick around until the end of the show to hear my top three takeaways from this conversation with Ty and Pollitt. Or you can head over to smartmoneymamas.com forward slash 93 for the complete show notes and to download your free family money values template. Are you ready, mamas? Let's get started. Hey, Ty and Talit, welcome to the Smart Money Mamas show. Hey. Hey, hey. We're super glad to be here. Absolutely. Talit, you are the very first Smart Money Dad on the podcast ever. So welcome. (laughs) Wow. I consider it an honor and a privilege. What's going on to all the mamas out there? I'm happy to do my little two cents. I'm going to let Ty shine, though. (laughs) We love it. So, guys, Valentine's Day is in just a couple of days. And we know that, and you guys especially know that money and couples is just a, it's a hot button issue. And so can we talk a little bit first about your guys' story with money? How did you become his and her money in such a powerful money couple? Usually, I don't know if you start with this part of the story or I start with it. <laughs> well, we both had similar <laughs> upbringings, yeah. but we had different responses to the way that our parents used and interacted with money. We both came from a middle-class household. Our parents didn't really necessarily teach us about money. Their actions spoke louder than words. We didn't see our parents being very uh, reckless with their money whatsoever. For me, I come from a family of five. It was five children. So I really saw my parents being very, very resourceful. I mean, it was like the thrift stores and things like that. I didn't understand it as a child, but now that I'm older, I understand why um, they did what they did. I actually went in one direction and he went in another direction because his parents were so tight. Very similar. Yeah. With money that when he was able to leave the household, he went crazy. He went reckless with his finances. I had nothing with name brand labels on it growing up. And when I left the house, I had everything with everything. name brand labels on it. <laughs> I went the complete opposite direction. Yeah. And for me, I remember having a thought that I wanted to go to college, but I wanted to do it completely debt-free. I did just that. I also purchased my own vehicle at the age of 19, mm-hmm. paid that off in 11 months. It was a $13,000 car. So I absolutely hated debt from a young age, but I thought that everybody lived like this. I thought that you're supposed to pay what you owe. I thought that when I was going to get married, that my husband, I was walking into a debt-free marriage, but actually I wasn't. I had no problem with debt at all. I went and got a bunch of it. Went and bought a car, financed that, put a fancy sound system in the car, financed that. All the furniture in my apartment was financed. I had credit cards. I had all kind of loans because I just didn't know what I was doing, but I just knew I liked to buy stuff. And so I put myself in a mountain of debt 
something over $30,000 with nothing good to show for it. I mean, we're not talking about college student debt. We're not talking about any type of real estate debt. We're just talking about stuff. I just had a bunch of stuff. And it was at this point where we are about to get married. We had to collide these two worlds, these two spending habits, these two viewpoints, and we had to mesh it all together. And we did that. Ty never had an ounce of debt until she said, I do. She took on the posture of this, not your debt, it's our debt. She could have said, you know, you made this mess, now you go figure it out. But she didn't. Because of that, we acted as a team. We got out of debt within our first year of marriage. And then we got really, really, really bold later on down the, the line when we bought the house that we're currently uh, recording in right now. We told ourselves that we would never make a minimum monthly mortgage payment. And at that time, you know, we weren't necessarily having a bunch of discretionary cash because we were in a bunch of transitions. I had just started a new job. We had literally just had a new baby. We had a new vehicle that we bought for in cash. And so we made this vow to each other. So at that moment, the best we could do was an extra $20 principal payment. We started with that and kept our vow to never make a a monthly minimum payment. And the second thing we told ourselves was, we're not going to wait 30 years to pay this house off. We're going to pay this house off in five years. And again, we're not in position technically to say such a thing, but we said it and we set a course to do it. And five years to the date that we closed on the house, we got our kids all dressed up, got ourselves all dressed up, walked into the bank. and We made our final mortgage payment, paid our house off in five years. When it was all said and done, $330,000. And we are completely debt-free as a result. And so we know what this feels like and we wanted more people to feel like this. And so his and her money was born. That's fantastic. And you guys made a great YouTube video when you paid off your house. I know it was inspiring for so many people to see your kids involved and excited and really experienced. We did it it right from the bank. There was tears and crying (laughs) and all of that stuff. And yes, we we definitely had that video over on our YouTube channel. And Tala, you mentioned that Ty was immediately like, this is our debt. We're going to work on it together as you went through the process. How did you feel telling her about the debt you had when you watched, you know, you knew she was very, very responsible with money? Were you nervous about telling her? Oh, yeah. Uh, Terrified. Absolutely petrified. Because the way I viewed Ty, she had all of her financial ducks in a row. Like she mentioned, she was went through college debt free on her own dime. She got a degree in finance. She worked in the financial industry. And here I was with all this debt, bad spending habits, bad credit score, trying to figure out how to become a better steward. And so I freaked out and I was scared and I did the absolutely wrong thing. I lied about the debt that I had because I was too afraid to tell the truth. I thought if I told the truth, it would push her away. And so I tried to concoct a plan to get rid of the debt on my own before we got married. But of course, that didn't work. God's not going to let us build any type of foundation on a lie. And so because she's so smart, because she's so good at finances, she asked all the right questions. And at first I had lies on top of lies. And then it got to the point that I had to stop lying and I had to confess. I confessed it. We almost didn't get married, but through the grace of God, through a lot of prayer, through a lot of more deeper conversations, we came together and we've been rocking ever since. So that's about 15 years ago. No. Yeah. That's about 15 years ago. We'll be married 15 years. So it happened about about three months prior to us getting married. We went through premarital counseling. That's when everything really came out. I thought I was doing all the right things, checking the credit reports, asking all the right questions. And when he told me, I was terrified. I was like, oh my gosh, what else is he keeping from me? was really my thought. 
it wasn't necessarily the money or, or the debt per se, because we get that question a lot. Ty and Tyler, should I marry someone that has debt? Well, of course, that's not the issue. The issue is their mindset around debt, how they're handling debt, how they see debt. So if I would have saw that he was being extremely reckless, like not planning for our future whatsoever, I would have been terrified and red alarms would have went off. Um, but I actually saw the opposite. When I was able to zoom out, I saw, oh, well, this is why he picked up that second job delivering pieces. Well, this is why he couldn't buy this or he said, no, we couldn't do this right now. He was actually trying to get his financial life in order. And so that spoke louder to me. His actions around the money spoke louder to me. So I knew that I can work with that. That's a lot of presence and mindfulness about a very emotional situation. And we've heard both, Ty, so we've heard both of these situations in the Smart Money Mamas community, one where the woman was hiding debt and someone, her husband was hiding debt and both sides are, how do we ever mend this trust? Seeing that kind of bigger picture that Talit was doing the work, what are the first steps you would suggest if someone feels like there's been financial infidelity in their relationship? One of the things that we tell people is lay all the cards on the table. Never feel so afraid to speak up that you allow years to go by without you speaking up. Like it can actually make things worse. For me, I knew that I couldn't hide in the fairy tale of, oh, I already bought the dress. I already, we already sent out the invitations. The wedding is just three months away. Like none of that mattered to me in that moment. I was willing to walk away from it all because this was a lifetime with someone. I had to have enough courage to really confront it. I mean, confront him. I can remember even the conversation and the moment and the way the atmosphere was like it was a very defining moment in our relationship, but I had to confront the lies with truth. And that's one thing that I tell people. Truth is not for us. We're, we're people of faith. So our Christianity for us, we know that truth, that, that means peace. That means no confusion and freedom. so and freedom. I knew what truth felt like and what we were going through did not feel like truth. It felt like deception, secrets very nervous, very fearful, like wondering what else, there's something else and can't really quite put your finger on it. And so I would encourage that wife or that husband to not be afraid. For me, it was to go to prayer first. Then I approached my soon-to-be husband. I like drove it home. Remember? Mm -hmm. It was no backing up for me. You have to get serious, but you also have to have your future in mind. So I knew that this was somebody that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. And I didn't want it to end over a lie. The lie had to be exposed. And at the same time, I was not responsible for his truth. I was not responsible for how he handled the situation, but I was responsible for how I handled it. I didn't want to have any regrets. And so for me, a regret would be to close my mouth and not speak on it. And like, what if, what if I would have said something? I couldn't control how he responded. I can only control how I responded. But something too that it did for me, Chelsea, it, it allowed me to look at myself. What was it about me that would not allow my soon-to-be husband to be honest with me? Of course, I didn't take all the blame. Like, so I'm not telling the spouses, like, you know, like it's your fault. I knew that it wasn't my fault, but it did have me really look at myself and do some soul searching. And was there any character issues or flaws maybe that I had? Did I come across prideful? Did I come across like I had it all together? So I also had to search within and also ask him those tough questions as well. Could I have done something differently? And of course, he told me no. He told me that it, there was nothing that I did, but it had me to reflect on me. And maybe my habits, maybe my lifestyle. Was I encouraging him to be uh, very spendful on me and things like that? Yeah, I think it's important for couples to realize this, this is not just your wife. This is not just your husband. This is your partner. This is your teammate. And you all are walking through the game of life together. And it's important. Like This is the person that you should be able to be most vulnerable with. A lot of times, especially on the male side, we have this 
thought that you have to be the strong one. And when you have a, a area in your life where you don't necessarily feel strong at, you want to hide it. You don't want to show weakness because we've been trained, right? I, I spent all of my childhood in sports, most of my adulthood in the military, and you're just trained to be strong. You know what I mean? You're you're trained to be strong. There's even in a uh, a saying in the in the military, like when we're doing physical exercise and you're getting weak, they say pain is just weakness leaving the body. And so you're not supposed to show that vulnerability according to culture and society. But that is absolutely not the case, especially when it comes to the person that you're married to. That is, if nobody else, that's the person that you're supposed to be bare before because it's no accident that you all are together. So have a willingness, change your mind Mm -hmm. about you having to put on this facade. And this goes for the wife or the husband. Change your mind about having to put on this facade, this superhero cape and be vulnerable. Talk about not just where you're strong, but also where you're weak. And that is a great place to rebuild and relay the foundation that you'll need in order to move forward financially. Absolutely. And I think there's something you guys and I both agree on, which is money is about so much more than money, right? And it impacts our lives and our mindset and all of those things. And so I'm curious, as you've rebuilt this, you know, we've been together 15 years now, which is fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. How has it improved things other than just your bank account as you've gotten on the same team with your money? Man, it's improved everything. To feel like you're one with someone, to feel like you have the same desires, the same dreams, the same ambitions, you're both moving towards the same thing. It does impact more than just the money. It's the life partner. Like, this is somebody I want to spend my life with. This is someone that I want to have fun with, right? I want to see the world with. I want to raise our children with. And then in our case, start a business. We started our business based off of our own personal story because we were counseling a lot of couples that were sitting on our couches in private or answering a lot of phone calls in private. We thought, well, hmm, what if we took this to the world, put it online and to be able to help so many other people say, look, you're not your past your mistakes, your decisions, your choices, you can correct those. And then you can also live a life of abundance and a life of freedom. I think it's taught us and it will teach the listener to enjoy every aspect of the journey because make no mistake, there were some L's that we took over these 15 years. Um, We didn't get everything We've been together more than 15 years, but married for 15. Right. Like I need those extra years. Okay. Okay, I'll put in that work. We've been together a long time. Um, But- We've taken some losses too. You know, everything didn't yeah. just go pretty. I mean, some of these losses cost tens of thousands of dollars, yeah. right? But because early on we overcame something together, yep. we knew that we could overcome this together. Even in the losses that we took, we weren't at odds with each other. Right. These were things, the whole journey, we're talking and planning and strategizing and trying things together. So you can enjoy the mountain tops and you can enjoy the valleys when you are hand to hand. You know what I mean? It may sound odd, but we can look back on the things that went well with pleasure and we can look back on the things that didn't go well with pleasure because each one of those things we try together. So even in the things that didn't work, we see the journey has Mm -hmm. been awesome. And so it's just been awesome ride to walk through this life together. And when you can have these tough conversations, because money is one of the toughest Mm -hmm. things to talk about. And if you can master that, every other conversation becomes a little easier and it fosters 
that unity between you all to where you start to feeling like it's us against them. Mm-hmm. And that's a great mindset to have. It doesn't mean that you're better than anybody else, but it just fortifies the bond between you two. Would you guys be open to sharing one of those losses or difficult times that you went through? Because I think a lot of times, just in how storytelling works, we go from things were bad and now we've got it all figured out and we kind of brush over (laughs) the hard part and we all kind of live for a long time in that messy middle before we find what our success is. So would you mind sharing one of those stories? Sure. One comes to mind immediately. Okay. (laughs) I don't know what he's going to say. So, well, you'll, you'll remember quickly. So after we got rid of our consumer debt, we started watching a little HGTV, Chelsea, all these shows are make it look so good. Every 30 minutes, somebody's making tens of thousands of dollars flipping houses. (laughs) We said, you know, we should give that a try. And we were very diligent. We went to seminars. We read books. Books. We read articles. We saved money. We saved money for the down payment, for the rehab costs. We did all the things, right? We didn't just jump in. We were diligent. We found a house. We put in the money to rehab the house. We got it ready and we got it listed just in time for the Great Recession. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, the market crashes. Right when we put this house oh, on, no. we didn't we didn't know that we and, were we, we were on the precipice of the Great Recession, and we found out that we were pregnant with our first, yeah, our firstborn. So we have a baby on the way, and, and now we have two mortgages, two tax bills, two light bills, two gas bills, and we just like this is not how it goes on TV. <laughs> and I want to talk about this part a little bit. We both were not necessarily all like cheerleading, like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. I had to put a lot of faith in him because mm-hmm. he did majority. This was, this was my thing. Yeah, he did majority of the research. And that's what marriage is. Marriage is 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 not always, you may not always agree with your spouse, maybe their their financial uh zealousness, right? But if you give a little bit, like just a little bit of commitment, it can go, it can either work out or it may not, but that's okay. I didn't blame him for what happened, but he was the one. That was really all in. I, on the other hand, I'm very, very conservative. Very, very. I like to play things a little bit safer than he does. And I think it may just be because my maternal instincts. I knew we were pregnant. I'm just thinking, oh, gosh, we're about to bring this baby in the world and stuff like that. And I didn't want this this burden. Because, again, remember, before I got married, I was completely debt free. Remember, I absolutely hated debt. So to have another mortgage that I was responsible for and not living in a home, it felt Oh, it, it made me feel uncomfortable. Like I wanted to hurry up and get rid of it. Where he, on the other hand, he was comfortable. Yeah, I was like, no, trust me. In 30 minutes, everything's going to be all right. This is how it goes on HGTV. <laughs> At the 27-minute mark, they win. So we're going to win too. But we we held it for an extra year. So, I mean, it was Ooh, It was mad, man. mad, mad. But stressful. we learned yeah. from everything for like to the point where um, we're looking at getting back into uh, real estate. But we learned lessons from that. We know things now that we could have done then, but now we know that we won't do on our next deal. And so you have to look at this in life. You all may not have got everything right, right? You may have had a a financial flop, but did you learn something from it? If you learn from it, then it was all worth it. And I think everybody has had those financial flops, right? And it's it's one of those, like, it's not a question of if it's when and are you going to learn from it or not? That's a, so did you end up making money from that property a year later? No, no, but you got rid of it. Okay. No, it was an L. Yeah. which was a win in two thousand nine. Broke even. 
we were just ready to get it over with. I mean, I mean, if you factor in, like, we had a whole extra year of carrying costs, yeah. just that by itself. Yep. And the taxes in that neighborhood weren't pretty. Yeah. So <laughs> it was ugly, <laughs> Chelsea. It was ugly. It was. But now you're ready to. But we came out all right. I don't even remember that it had, I don't. I think the backyard was actually elevated. Yeah. And it's like in order for them to get in the backyard, they got to like go up this Step slope. Up. I'm like, what yeah. were we thinking? <laughs> Surprised it didn't like flood the basement <laughs> with that angle. <laughs> I, know, right? I don't even know why we're, we're bringing that out. up. We're we're knock on wood. That didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so as you guys have, have built this beautiful relationship with money and conversation with each other, I'm curious what your family money values are now. Like what is most important to you guys as you make financial decisions, as you teach your kids about money? So one of the things that we teach and that we've adopted ourselves is we tell people to take their last name and put INC on the end of it. So for our, our last name is McNeely. So we're McNeely Incorporated. That's literally how we run our household. Every decision that we make, if you think of any large corporation, uh, whether it be your large department stores or large grocery shopping places that you go to, we all have our favorites. They have a, a plan, right? They go into the month with a plan and they have multiple meetings and communication and they do whatever's best for the company, not what's necessarily best for their competitors, right? And or so, for the CEO. Or for the, exactly. Or the overall organization. Yeah. So we we actually run our household just like that where we're 18. We believe that marriage shouldn't be just surface. Like this should be something that goes deep, right? This is a, a deep connection that you stood before God and your family, you made this vow. Every marriage has a purpose. Every marriage has a, a, a purpose or a ministry. For us, we're McNeely Incorporated. So that's how we run our household. Every decision that we make, we don't worry about our extended family. We don't worry about what the naysayers are saying. We don't even worry about what our followers are saying. We worry about what's going to benefit this household and our children. We take our children along um, the ride as well. They have We have communications. We just had this big family meeting yeah. where it was a big deal for us. We ordered pizza and then we sat down with the fireplace about two and a half hours maybe. Yeah. And we all talked as a family. Our oldest is 11 and our youngest is seven. So we have an 11-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 7-year-old. We didn't look at it, look at them and say, oh, they don't have enough value to input into this family. No, we asked them, what are some of the things that you guys want to do? Are there certain places that you want to go? We talked about our family values. We talked about our family goals. And so I, I think the second important thing uh, to add to what Ty just said is the power of ownership. We believe yep. in ownership. Own everything. What does that look like? Of course, Obviously, we are big proponents of debt freedom mm -hmm. and making sure that you own your stuff. You own your cars, you own your degree, you own your home because yeah. there's a power that comes along with it. My that. gosh. But even more than that, own your time. Yeah. Own your income sources. Don't be just dependent on one stream of income. Yep. We're not telling, we're not those types of entrepreneurs to say everybody needs to be a business owner and nobody can have a nine to five. Right. Absolutely not. But what we are saying is that one source of income is too close to none. We have learned that if at no other time in history than yep. with this recent pandemic, there's really actually no such thing as a safe, secure job. And so you need to be diversified enough yeah. to where you have ownership of your life. So if things go awry over here, you can draw from this source and that source. Yep. And so we are big proponents within ourselves and mm -hmm. within what we're trying to put into our, our kids and what we're trying to put into the world through our platform yeah. is the power of ownership, getting out of the passenger seat and getting in the driver's and seat. Stop allowing people to control your lives. That's what your student loans are doing. Even what your mortgage is doing. Like the thought for me of being in a home that really I don't own, 
I think sometimes we wear home ownership like a badge, but you have a mortgage on that. You don't own your home. For us, we're like, what can we do to be able to change our children's lives? For the most part, we tell our children that you all may be the only one in your classrooms that is living in a, in a paid off home. But what we're doing is we're ingraining them a new way of living. So when they get older, they too can make those same decisions. They too can say, oh, my parents did it, so I want to do it too. Oh, yes. I absolutely want to hear more about how you're intentionally teaching your kids money lessons. But before we do, let's take a quick pause to hear from our partners who help make the Smart Money Mama show possible. Mama, you want more. More money, time, peace, fulfillment, and joy. To stop surviving and start thriving. To show your kids what it means to live fully. But you can't build a life you love without financial security, which means it's time for you to feel worthy of wealth and confident managing your money. The Motivated Mama Society is our monthly membership community where intelligent, driven moms come together to rewrite their money stories, connect with their biggest dreams, and build lasting wealth. With access to our five core foundations courses, monthly live masterclasses and Q&As, and a fantastic community of women who have your back through the ups and downs of life, you'll have what you need to create a life you love. If you're a mom who believes more is possible and you're ready for more money and more time for the things that matter most, the Motivated Mama Society is for you. Learn more at smartmoneymamas.com forward slash join. That's smartmoneymamas.com forward slash join. I can't wait to see you inside. On that point of teaching your kids and ownership, where in their financial lives do your kids already take ownership? Do you do allowance with them? Do you do money management with them? In our home, we don't, they're not on the allowance thing yet. This is something that we're still talking about. See, I grew we're up negotiating from, that I grew right up now, from, I grew up from a family that, <laughs> You had responsibilities in the household, but you didn't get paid for it. You had responsibilities because your last name was whatever your last name was. Where he grew up in the household, he was the only child. I was one of five. He had an allowance. And so for us, we're trying to figure out that that good medium to where our children don't necessarily feel like we're paying you to do something. So right now, our children have responsibilities in the home and we're teaching them diligence. We're teaching them how to take care of their things that they've been given and that they've been blessed with. We're using it in a way where it may not be a monetary system, but it's a gratitude system. It's an honor system. We tell them, because your last name is McNeely, this is how McNeely's run their household. We take care of our things. We all contribute. We all are contributing to the bigger goal. But something that we've done with them is we've allowed, and you can talk about that, the stocks. Yeah. So, so we find other have, things. They do have, them. we do teach them money management. Yep. So when they get money for birthdays and Christmas and whatnot, they know they can give, spend, and save save, some. So they have savings accounts. And they also have stocks that they got to choose. So we sat them down. They got to choose. We said, you know, think we explained, you know, at their level, how stocks work and what Mm -hmm. the stock market is about and how they can have ownership again, because that's important to us is to embed the power of ownership into them. We asked them like, what little small piece of a company, which company would you like to own? And they each got to pick some and now they are part owners of these companies. And it's so cute and adorable to see them because, again, our youngest is seven. And to see her with some of the things that she loves, and they actually researched it. They actually mm-hmm. looked it up. They, we had them do research. They even found the, the symbol, the ticker symbol. Mm-hmm. They found all of that from our seven-year-old to our 11-year-old. And it was like, okay, mommy and daddy, this is what I want to invest in. And so for us, that was empowering because, again, like my husband said, we're teaching ownership. 
And so now they can walk in a store and say, I own this, right? They can buy this particular toy and say, I own this. They can play with a particular game and say, I own this. Well, that's important to us that they're not just consumers, but that they're owners. And it's amazing how often allowance systems don't come with responsibility and autonomy for the kids where it's like, here's money, but I'm not going to expect you to pay for anything yourself or take care of anything yourself. And then that it's not a teaching tool. It's just, you're just handing them money. My son, my oldest turns five uh, next week and he has his own little egg business that he runs, which is adorable, but he's learned inventory and profit and sales. Hey, very, very cute. I love it. Um, and now when he donates, he likes to donate to the World Wildlife Fund and things like that. It is so much more meaningful to him than when we give him money to do it. And you can start so young. They know so much more than we give them credit for. And I think that's what it is for us. You hit it on the nail. For us, it needs to, ha- it needs to have purpose. It needs to have meaning. I think so many times, you know, just because, like you said, parents do just give their children money. But for us, we wanted it to tie into some type of purpose. So something that they're doing now is that we have them all writing reports on the businesses that they want to start. They have to not just come to us and say, mom and dad, I want to have my own YouTube channel, but they need to tell us what it's going to be about. Um, how many days a week are you going to record? What type of equipment are you going to need? How much is that equipment? So we have them doing things even at their young age where they can be responsible and they can grow their own wealth. Like that's important to us that we're not just handing it to them. That's what legacy is, but that we're also instructing them how they too can build from that age. I think it would have been remarkable if we were seven years old and our parents allowed us to start a business. I can only imagine how our lives would have been now, 30 something years later. That's what we're doing for our children. That's how we're teaching them money management and the power of ownership. And that's how you build generational wealth that lasts, right? That you don't become one of those 70% of families that the money goes away the generation after you pass it down because they know how to handle it. So guys, with a Valentine's Day just a couple of days away, how do we start money conversations with our partners, especially if we have a history of arguing about it? How do we approach this in a way that's productive? You start with a dream. Yep. You don't start with dollars and cents. You start how much we owe. Start with a dream. Yeah. What we tell people is to go out on a dream date. We're not going out talking about how much debt we have. We're not going out talking about bills. The kids. We don't even talk uh, yeah. about the kids. We're just going to go and we're going to go dream. And so the exercise we like to give people is you talk one at a time. You answer this question. Five years from now, if there was no restriction, if nothing was impossible, how would you like our life to look five years from today? So spouse A answers. Spouse B writes. That can be pen and paper. That can be in your notes app. But you write down what the other is saying. Side note, it is hard to dream when you have a mind full of responsibilities. All those responsibilities limitations. create limitations that prohibit you mm-hmm. from dreaming big. So you may have to remind your spouse as they're dreaming to not be limited in their dreaming ability. If you start seeing that they are talking small, like, no, if nothing was impossible for us, like go back to that 15-year-old, you 16-year-old, when you used to dream big before you had all these responsibilities and you go back and forth. And now that both of you all have this data of your dreams coming back to life, you can take a look at that and compare it to where you're at right now. And then you use that, those two points to create a path. Right. From the place that we're at now to the place that we want to be in life. See, that dream, it takes you back Mm -hmm. to when the world felt like it was your oyster 
and you had like this the big butterflies plane, in your stomach, and- right? And so all of <laughs> yep. that. Now the dream that you buried, you can start to see, even if it's a glimmer yeah. of hope that this can still be your reality. Go back in your mind. We tell couples to do this. You know how it was the dating phase and even the pre-engagement phase and engagement phase. You were excited about life. You all were probably talking about your future nonstop, talking about the things that you wanted to do and start. You have butterflies in your stomach. You had excitement in, in your belly. Then you get married. You have children. You have responsibilities. You have nine to fives. You may even be building a business. You're exhausted. You're tired. You're barely connecting. You're barely communicating. And it's like, the dreams for the future just cease or they're not as grand. When we give couples this assignment, they are shocked and surprised that some of the things that their spouse has buried that they never even knew about. I mean, these are people that have been married for 10 plus years. I had no idea that you wanted to do this. I had no idea that you wanted to start. I had no idea that you wanted to go here and do this and do that. And it's almost like it gives the the other spouse the opportunity to say, wow, I want to do everything I can possible to get my spouse to live out those dreams because you do love your spouse right? It's like, that's, that's the starting point where we're both doing whatever we have to do to allow the other one to experience their hopes and their dreams. And Tyler, you mentioned that can be hard to dream, which is so true, right? Especially when you're in the monotony of life. And we look at what happened in the last year when we're all overwhelmed and tired, and it's hard to look to that bright future. But I think there's actually two steps there. There's letting yourself see it, And then the second step of letting yourself actually believe it's possible. And so many of us have mindset blocks. How do you work through with your partner, letting them believe that it's actually possible? Once they have the vision, I think a lot of women in our community, they start that conversation and their partner's like, yeah, but that's never going to happen. And then they don't want to make the path because it just feels too hard. I think it comes down to knowing your spouse, right? Because there's no cookie cutter answer to that because everybody's different. But for me, for example, if I was that spouse, one thing about me is I'm a very practical, analytical person. So if I take the time to dream, I need steps. Like I need realistic sounding steps to make it seem possible for me. Now, if you have the type of spouse that is more ideological, big picture, big thought, colorful and things like that, you have to speak in that language because we all have our doubts in various forms. So you have to speak in a language that your partner can receive because we're all, all of us, even the biggest dreamer in us, we can make the dream, but at some point, quote unquote, reality starts to set in. You'd be like, that would have been nice, but X, Y, and Z. And so it's just like when you're in business and you are trying to sell a product, you're going to have to overcome objections because people are going to have objections to the reasons why this can't be their reality, or maybe now is not the right time to pursue. And so it really is going to come down to knowing your spouse and speaking their language, because that's why, again, we keep going back to y'all are teammates, right? Sometimes somebody got to take the shot. Sometimes somebody got to set up the person to take the shot and make a good pass to the person so that you all overall can win the game. So it's, it's going to be a give and take. It's going to be patience involved. But if you know your spouse, if you know the way that they're wired, the way their mindset works, the type of characteristics, the types of things that are important to them and helps them, you're going to have to be a help. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to help them get those blocks out the way and be willing to endure the process thereof. Because again, you might get it right away. You might see the vision right away. But because your spouse doesn't, that doesn't mean give up, quit, 
throw in the towel, that means, okay, let me have a little patience. Let me re-strategize. Let me figure out a way that I can communicate this to them in a way that makes sense. Sometimes for us, that's why we do our show the way that we do. We bring on other people who have done what you said that you wanted to do, whether that's get out of debt, build a business, et cetera, et cetera. So you can see it, ain't, it wasn't just Tyler and Ty that got out of debt. Look at all these people. Look at all these hundreds of people. And if you put enough examples in front of people, they start to believe it because they're like, hey, they're no different than me. Wow. They had the same similar type of circumstances and they overcame them. Maybe I can too. So sometimes you need examples of people just like you who have done what you are telling yourself is impossible to help crack the ice as well. Stop making excuses. I think for so long, we allow ourselves to believe the lies and excuses. Like I don't make enough money. Oh, well, the only way that they paid off a home in five years, $330,000, they must've been making a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Uh, No, one of us was actually working. It was my husband, nine to five. And that salary never exceeded six figures. I was a whole teacher. Exactly. And so (laughs) throw your excuses out because there are people that are doing it without making the excuses and they're getting further. Why do you think we hear about the stories of maybe the janitor that is a multimillionaire? And this is a janitor that's cleaning schools. It's like, because that person is diligent, they're doing whatever it is that they have to do and they're walking it out. Another thing that we tell people is be the example that you want to see. And I know that we're probably talking to a lot of women. So that's why that's the only reason why I'm going to address this to the wives it's okay to change directions. What do I mean by that? So many times, even in marriage, we may put the responsibility or the burden of finances or the financial stuff to the husband because maybe he's supposed to provide. He's supposed to pay the mortgage. He's supposed to pay the bills. Or it's also a sign of submissiveness, allowing him to do it. I can't question the decisions that he made for the family as if you don't have a voice. No, you have a voice. And you may have created this this habit You may have went along with this habit for so long, so many years, but does not mean that you can't change it. Remove the fear, approach your husband and say, you know what, and take the responsibility. Say the things like, I know that for all these years, I put this in your plate on your on your lap. And that wasn't fair to you. Although I may have trusted you, it was not fair. And I should have a part in the say. I should also be involved. And I want to now be of help. I want to join you in this endeavor. And so I just want to speak to the women. Don't be afraid to change. Don't be afraid to start something new. And if you happen to be a person of faith like we are, you know, there's a great verse that you can remember and maybe even share with your spouse that with men, things are impossible. But with God, all things are impossible. So, I mean, all things are possible. So it may seem realistically impossible. But if you put God in the mix, that impossible now becomes possible. And so that dream, finding a way to talk to our spouse in their language in a way that gets them excited. After that, we have to, a lot of us are going to have to look at some hard truths, right? Of like where our debt is, where our spending is, and make some big changes. And those things are hard. And so how do we stay on the same team with our partner, not lean into blame as we work through the hard stuff? That's such a good question. Mm -hmm. You write it down. So many times our written goals, our written budget whether it be digital or handwritten, has saved us the heartache of having money disagreements, especially when we were paying off our mortgage. So the way that it would look, let's just say we were to come into some money. Maybe it was a bonus. Maybe it was a tax return. There were things that maybe he wanted to do with the money. And there was things I wanted to do with the money. But our goals, our budget didn't allow him to kind of have his way and didn't allow me to have my way. We had to go with whatever was written down. Too many times we're just having verbal communication, but nobody has has the records. Nobody has the proof. Nobody has it written down. 
So that's a strong component that we tell people when you go on your dream date. That's why he said, write it down, put, pull out your phone, write it down. Because sometimes you're going to have to go back and say, no, remember we said this. Remember we said we want to do this. Remember we said after this, we can do that. That's one of the things that I would say is write it down. That, that has saved us a lot of times. Yeah, nobody has achieved any, any level of success without sacrifice. Yeah. It's impossible. You can't get to the yeah. you can't get to the promised land without having your sword out ready for the battle. So go into it knowing that there're gonna be some tough moments. There're oh. gonna be some um, moments where you're unmotivated. Yep. But if you can fall back on the dream, the plan that you all collectively mm-hmm. crafted, you can use that to get some energy, to get some strength, to get back yeah. in the fight. And it's important to have regular communication about progress because progress seen understanding the progress, even the small progress that has already been made also serves as fuel to go and make more progress. So regularly communicate about Mm -hmm. where you guys are at. They got these little charts out there that you can color in as you make progress, just having weekly meetings and Mm -hmm. updating yourself. You know, there were times when we were doing the house payoffs, you would pull up where we stood on the bank's website and just seeing like the number come down. It's just like, all right, we can do this. We can do this. So, you know, put yeah. all these things. You're going to you're going to need all all of yeah. the above. You're going to need some some reminders of why you're doing what you're doing. And don't forget to schedule the celebrations. So many times we get extremely exhausted, tired, fatigued. We want to give up because it feels so far away. It feels like I'm not making traction. It was important to us and we were paying off our mortgage. We gave ourselves $10,000 increments. We tell every household do it differently. Do it your way. But for us, because it was such an exhausting, daunting task, once we hit $10,000 mark, we went downtown. We live here in Chicago, so we have an w- amazing downtown area. We'll get a nice hotel, go to a nice steak restaurant, and enjoy ourselves. And then after that was over, it was like, okay, let's get back in. And so that's what's important. A lot of people are lacking also the rewards. They're thinking that towards the end, that's when I can reward myself. For us, after we paid off our mortgage, our biggest reward was we took our kids to Disney World. That was gosh, what $5,000 trip. That was also a goal for us. So we had a longevity, we had a future goal, but we also had incremental rewards. So we'll tell people to make sure that you account for that. Celebrate, Celebrate. the progress, not just doing the, the work. final payment. I mean, but those incremental celebrations are game changers. It was, it was for us. And people get so focused in wanting to put all their money towards their goals and not take those moments to celebrate. But there's also actual science behind we need the dopamine release and the joy of celebrating to solidify the habit and continue on. If our brain thinks it's just punishment and hard work, we will avoid doing it at all costs. And so having those celebrations, I love that hotel night. It was the dopamine. (laughs) Yeah, we didn't know that it was science too. We just knew that this was working. (laughs) It felt good. Oh, that's that's good to know. (laughs) And you also brought up Di. I love the idea of writing it down. And this is actually something my husband and I found over time is we actually have a one page family money value sheet. And it has like our top three money values, our current goal, what we want to teach our kids about money, all summarized just into like one little sheet. Every month? No, no, it's the same. It's our consistent, like, what are we trying to represent as a family when it comes to our money? What do we want to believe? What do, how do we talk to each other? Right. And so this has come, it's been perfected over time, but now it's just when we have our money meeting, it's there and we kind of look through it and it's like, okay, did we make decisions this week? Do we make decisions this month that are alignment with what we're saying here? We encourage the moms in our society to do that as well, because it's just, it avoids arguments because when the big decision comes up, you can look and say like, no, no, this is what we said we believe in. This is what we said we want. Let's move in that direction now. So yeah, writing things down, I think is, is a very, very powerful it's thing. It's so important. 
It's so important. And even get in the habit of having your children write it down. So for us, we bought our children. All three of them have journals. And we tell them to think big as well, too. We want to encourage them that the sky is the limit. And then we want to be able to give them the proper tools to be able to accomplish it. So their writing down thing is it was a game changer for us. What is your five-year vision? What are you guys dreaming about right now? Well, like Ty mentioned earlier, getting back into the real estate game. I want to not do flips anymore, but do buy and hold Again, because ownership is big to us, yeah. so we want to add um, a bunch of properties to our portfolio, continue to expand on um, what his and her money is and how it operates. So we have some pretty big yeah. ideas and plans about how we want to expand the company. We want to just continue to help couples all around the world to experience things that they didn't think that they could, awesome. levels of freedom yeah. that they didn't think that they could have. And so- over the next five years, that's Those what we're going to be doing. Ones, yep. That's exciting. All right, guys, before we let you go, we have to have you try on our Smart Money Mama's sorting hat. The sorting hat is our version of the hot seat where we ask the magical hat to reveal something about you. Are you ready? We're ready. We're ready. What is your favorite date night activity? Favorite date night activity. I was going to say that, but I don't want to sound corny. I was going to say That's that. our thing. What do you, what's <laughs> your favorite kind of food? We, we enjoy going to different restaurants. Yeah, we enjoy Chicago is not, there's literally no shortage of restaurants. So of we like exploring. Yeah. It's crazy. Like you you can never go to all the restaurants never. here. Yeah. So I was I would probably say for me downtown and going to a nice restaurant. Ty and Hollett, where can people follow up with his and her money and learn more about what you guys do? You can go to hisandhermoney.com. We're on all social media platforms at his and her money. All of that can be found on our website. We also have a podcast called The His and Her Money Show. Whether you're on your journey of, of becoming debt-free, um, whether you want to get stronger in your relationship, stronger in your faith, want to build a successful and prosperous business, we can help you there at hisandhermoney.com. We'll have links to all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope we get to talk to you again soon. Thank you. Absolutely. Same Thank here. you for having us. Mamas, I so love Ty and Talit's story and their mission to help more couples thrive with money. Their story about bringing their kids to make their last mortgage payment is so inspiring and such a testament to the power we have to create lasting change for our family's money mindsets. As always, I've wrapped up my top three takeaways from this conversation with Ty and Talit to take into your own relationship with your partner. First, start money conversations from your dreams and values. Talking about hard numbers right away makes it too easy for the conversation to become adversarial. Instead, focus on the life you want to build together. Forget for a moment who overspent on groceries or who bought a bunch of things that weren't necessary and blew the budget. That is not the place to start. We have to figure out why we're having issues, and that means discovering the life we both want to build. And as you have this conversation, remember that you're on the same team. This is not about one of you being right or wrong or one of you getting your way. It's about figuring out how you can move forward together. Second, there's power in starting small. We talk all the time about progress over perfection, but I really loved this story from Ty and Tala about their mortgage and how they paid it off. When they bought their house, they couldn't make huge extra payments, but they committed to never paying the minimum payment and instead contributed an extra $20 a month towards their mortgage at the start. Now, $20 a month versus your mortgage payment might not seem like a lot, but that gave them the habit of paying down their mortgage faster and helped them put more towards their payment when they could. That's how they reached their goal of having no mortgage years sooner than they intended. And finally, 
you can have a great money relationship with your partner. You can. Just because you and your partner aren't on the same page today doesn't mean you can't be in the future. Ty and Talat didn't start out with similar money habits and beliefs, but by working together and both having grace with each other, they have been able to create the life they both desired. As we said in the first takeaway, start the conversation from your family's values and goals. Download your free family money values template in the show notes, or if you're a member of the Motivated Mama Society, watch the whole masterclass we did on creating solid family money values and how to effectively have those conversations. But start building that relationship today. You've got this. Mamas, I want to thank Ty and Tala again for coming on the show and sharing their story and advice with us. You can find links to Ty and Talat's website, His and Her Money, as well as their podcast and social media channels in the show notes at smartmoneymamas.com forward slash 93. Enjoy Valentine's Day in a few days and remember to show yourself some love as well. You're incredible. Keep talking money, mamas. I'll see you next time.